Are you going to drink today? Or I no? do have a shot That's of tequila, actually. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Because like, I can't sit here and, like, <laughs> sip beer. You know, like, I won't taste it. It won't be good. Uh, but I did text my, my primary care provider, Casey, obviously, and I was like, can I have tequila with Mucinex? Um, so I guess it'll, I guess it'll, <laughs> we'll see. Midway through, I might be like, all right, and just kind of pop it back. But, um, yeah, I may just What a world we live in where you can text your provider. <laughs> I see my girlfriend, so I'm just like, hey, uh, <laughs> can I do this real quick? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Health Unfiltered podcast. I am here with the gang and a special guest, Eric. How's everyone doing today? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we are surviving. Yeah, that's really it. What do we like to say? Duct tape and <laughs> duct, tape duct tape and glue, and glue baby. That's how we're holding up. <laughs> Nicole's back. She feels better, even though Ro made it sound on the last episode like she had died. I and said R.I.P. once. Yes. You know, like I just. <laughs> I was just like, "Damn, he went there." <laughs> Brooke was literally like, "Nicole's not here today," and he was just like, "R.I.P." Yeah, and I was like, "Okay." But also, like, what if, what if then you know you had passed, and then I was just planning for the future. It was like, bam, a week when this releases, R.I.P. So, you know how I can tell that bro, you're sick. You... <laughs> is that you're this? Is that you're this like morbid with your humor today? This is me all the time though. Literally. I'm just. And sickly. if you show up for a new episode podcast right after I die, I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> She'll haunt you from wherever I am. I mean, I would, it would be like you know a grieving process, but work is work, baby. I got stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> wow uh, so i see that i actually didn't quit my corporate job yeah, for nothing. yeah. you're just, just gonna treat me like, like another we employee need, we need a new person on the on um, to host like yeah it would be it wouldn't be that hard to <laughs> replace immediate, <laughs> immediately filled just kidding position just open kidding, just kidding I'm oh that's great alive. well today we have a special guest Eric. He's the owner and operator of Grunt Grub, lover of board sports, bow hunting, good whiskey, and cheap beer. Eric is a dietitian with realistic expectations who loves to teach and help men reach their full potential. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Very excited to be here for obvious reasons. We got an (laughs) awesome crew. And uh, and yeah, no complaints. I'm just ready to... uh, to drink some tequila and talk to you guys about all things food and nutrition related. Life is good, huh? I'm, <laughs> I feel so left out now. I'm the only one not drinking tequila. Oh. Well, I kind of misled you, Brooke, because I think I, I told you I was going to be drinking some bourbon because I got some of that in the freezer. But it was such a warm day out, sun shining here. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something a little more refreshing. <laughs> nice. Yes. What are you drinking? So I did a homemade ranch water, except I make mine with uh, some sparkling water because it's bougie. So I do a little Topo Chico lime. Nice. And then I'll put in some real lime and then I'll do some tequila and then just a little bit of agave, fresh lime juice, like I said, and then top it with a lime for the pizzazz. And of course, the key ingredient is tahini <laughs> on the rim. Oh, this guy knows it. Whoa. He knows it all. Yeah, <laughs> we love the tahini on the that rim. That sounds really good. <laughs> what kind of, uh, what kind of tequila out. is it, Eric? This is uh, 1800 silver, mm. so special occasions. I mean, 
I'd love to buy a more expensive bottle, but you know, <laughs> I can't prioritize alcohol right now. But 1800 is always great stuff, so it's kind of my go-to. Gotcha. Me too. Like that's what I do. So good. <laughs> well, that's uh, who won the ranch water contest. Now I got to know what's in yours, Nicole. She's like, I got it out of a can. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's made with. <laughs> I'm drinking ranch water in the can. Yep. <laughs> And it is made with 100% agave and um, natural lime juice. So, I mean, Eric got it right with the homemade version. I do like the ranch water brand. Like, I've tried a couple other ones that are like... It's so refreshing. Yeah, they're just so good and they're easy to drink in the summertime. And, like, you don't feel terrible the next day. Everything is... Literally. Best summer drink. This is... Yeah, this is, like, the first hard seltzer that I've actually liked. I think it's because it doesn't taste too fake. It's, like, you know, and it's not, like, overwhelming in the flavor category. Yeah. Yeah, it does taste like something you would order at the bar. Like, if you really did want sparkling water... And tequila. Uh, <laughs> and lime. Topo Chico does make really good tequila seltzers. Uh, I don't know if you've tried those, but they are mm. super refreshing. They're really good. I too. actually have not. It is on my list. Well, you make your own, so it's not, it's not like you need to buy them. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. These are hard to bring out on the boat, though. It's nice to have something uh, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. packaged, you know, for <laughs> yeah. those traveling mm-hmm. occasions. Brings out 40 ingredients. It's like, okay, I just, <laughs> just trying yeah. to make it as the waves are crashing. It's like, give me a second. <laughs> yeah. You need one of those bar backpacks yeah. that folds down. I have one of those. I have only used it once, though. <laughs> I'm sure, well, I'm sure when you used it, it was a great time. It was. I brought it to a concert. Had a whole little picnic and adult beverages. It was great. Adult That's beverage. awesome. Uh, what a name, huh? Rose, like, you're so old. <laughs> I'm like, also, you started you know, drinking when you weren't exactly an adult. So like, what? Can we call it? <laughs> I, I feel like we've told those horror stories yeah, yeah, yeah. on the podcast <laughs> yeah. before. Uh, let's see. What do I have? I have a literal uh, shot of tequila. Um, I was waiting on the okay. In case you can't tell, my voice is screwed up. I uh, finally got COVID last week and uh, am on the mend. I'm towards the end. So I asked uh, Casey if I could have tequila with Mucinex. And she said, yes. So I'll pound this. <laughs> At some point, uh, but I just I still can't really taste. So there's no sense in like drinking beer and just like being like, yeah, this is crispy. Like I won't I won't taste it, but I don't want to be left out of this because half the times you guys are like, I'm not drinking. So like, let's just rip a shot and it should be fine. But Brooke, That's you're awesome. drinking too, right? This may be the first know, time I, in a yeah. long time. I know. I really don't drink anymore, but I do have a Glutenberg IPA. So it's made with millet, buckwheat, and corn. Do not laugh. I'm sorry. At my the, very the name, sensitive the name body. is just good. <laughs> uh, it's a gluten free beer. Um, Yum. Gluten free beer. And I really like it. I've had this one before. Yeah, I think you've been wow. good. Hops. This is a historic I know, moment all that we're all four. drinking. It's been a long time. Dang. I think the last time the three of us drank was when we were in Costa Rica and we did a morning episode. Nicole and I were oh, in Costa Rica yeah. and we did tequila sunrises for breakfast on the Ooh. podcast. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Was was like, what is happening? <laughs> it's like you guys got to go I back mean, to living. We really now. just, yeah, we just got to go back. I think it's just, I'm going to just say it's because of the content. I mean, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I'll meet you there. I know Kenzie would be down, so. Amazing. Yeah, I love this. I don't think anyone wouldn't be down, you know, <laughs> to live in Costa Rica. 
Pyramid. I just keep Let's trying go. to convince everyone. I'm like, guys, we can get a big plot of land. You know? <laughs> like, start a commune, but like a cool one. I don't think there's a I'm cool way commune. Down. <laughs> <laughs> just a cool cult, guys. No worries. <laughs> just ca- it's casual. It's really casual. People have tried it before, but it's not like this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we do have a question of the week. It is nutrition related. So we definitely have a lot of dietitians who I'm sure have some good opinions. So this was specifically from a woman, but I'd be curious to hear how you guys feel about fasting in general. Um, So the question is, do you recommend fasting for women? My answer is no. (laughs) And um, I know, Brooke, you have a lot of good insight on why, but traditionally... Like for me, there's not a lot of research to back it. And we really want to support the body 360. And what I said before, I think it was before we were airing, is just we already go through a lot of stress in our day-to-day lives. And that's an extra one on the body that isn't necessary. And it doesn't show to produce a lot of benefit. So that's just my short and sweet answer. No. You got an opinion, Eric? How do you feel about fasting? Well, I'm going to stay in my lane with men, but if we just talk mm-hmm. about fasting in general, I would say it would be very individualized to that person. I think there are some cases where it would benefit the individual, but I think the benefit would come from it being an overall calorie restricting practice that doesn't actually bother the person so if the person naturally doesn't eat breakfast and that fasting window then would allow them to be at like a calorie equilibrium or in a slight deficit that would then support weight loss i don't technically see it being a negative i completely agree the research isn't there most research and fasting i feel like is coming from like a religious fast and sure there could be some benefit to that but I work with a lot of performance individuals, and it's definitely a hindrance in the performance world. That particular instance is where I feel like fueling is very important throughout the day, and fasting is definitely going to put a damper on that. And I think people aren't reaching their full potential when they're incorporating that fasting. And in a lot of cases, you know, they're fasting for these reasons that aren't backed by science. And what they're actually doing is then they're putting themselves in a calorie deficit, which could lead to injury or poor recovery which then leads to poor performance and it's just a snowball effect from there. So the only time I'd recommend it is if you're not a performance athlete, it helps you to reach that calorie equilibrium without going over and it's not a pain for you to do. I mean, if you're starving yourself and you're just forcing yourself to be in that window, I definitely think that's unnecessary. Yeah, that's good insight since men and women are definitely different. For women, I really don't recommend it. There is some research in postmenopausal women, but a lot of the research is also done in younger men that can see some potential benefit. I just think as women, we're just we're much more sensitive to scarcity. It's, you know, we need to be fertile and we need to have nutrients and it's just how we're biologically wired. So I am a big fan of, hey, let's support our adrenals, blood sugar balance and hormones with a more balanced approach. That's my personal take on that we definitely did the dietitian 360 right there mm-hmm. i feel so left out <laughs> do you have opinions on fasting i bet you do <clears throat> no i mean mine i i agree with uh everything that was said um i think a lot of there was a, a review that came out like two months ago that a lot of people were up in arms about because um it said that you know when you uh equate calories whether it's um like a normal 
quote unquote Western diet or fasting, like there was no difference, right? Which is exactly what we're talking about. And people are like, oh, well, what about all the other health benefits like autophagy and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you get autophagy if you, if you work out, if you live a active, active lifestyle, if you, you know, treat yourself right. So I think it's really just like missing the forest for the trees. And like, if you are not doing a billion other things you could really be doing that are easier uh, and you're just deciding like, oh, I'll just have some reason to starve myself for 12 hours of the day, then you're really mm-hmm. just like, like Nicole said, you're making things a lot harder for yourself and there's no reason to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. For- I think what we always repeat is like the basics mm-hmm. are what are going to be most beneficial. And if you're, I, it, I think it's so interesting how we want to skip that so quickly and go to something so much more extreme <laughs> when it's just like, how about we just, um, have a really nice balanced breakfast and get eight hours of sleep and maybe go yeah. for a walk. <laughs> Crazy. I always think of that meme with the kid on the stairs yes, where he's skipping was, like eight mm, steps. Yeah. <laughs> the visual. <laughs> I think people like in their minds, cause we live in, you know, one humans are problem solvers and two, we live in this advanced age. I think people, they almost can't believe the simple answers. They go, no, there's, there's no way that it's gotta be more complex than that. And it's like, that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite when sure. clients are like, this stuff is actually like not hard. It's really simple and I feel so much better. And I'm like, that's the whole point. <laughs> it's, I, we don't have to make it crazy complicated to make you feel better and fit your life. And I, that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. Crazy. I dig it. So today we are going to jam out and we're going to talk about performance nutrition, tactical athletes, your experience becoming an RD. We're also going to talk about hunting, foraging, fishing. And I want to hear you talk about cooking. I think it's so cool. And I love to see all your content about cooking. So we're just going to talk about all the things. But to start, how did you get into nutrition and become a dietitian? I love to hear people's stories about what inspired them to study nutrition and where their passion comes from. Okay. Yeah. So I'll try to do like a really quick recap of like my background. So, um, born and raised in Wisconsin, ended up joining the Marine Corps. Um, that was the whole thing. It was great. You can probably hear about that on a, on a different podcast or hit me up personally. But when I got out, the Marine Corps really gave me like a, a passion for fitness and performance and really taking care of myself. It just didn't teach me how to fuel myself properly. Like I never met with a dietitian, never met with a nutrition professional at all. So when I got out and I was now responsible for, you know, fully cooking for myself and I cooked for myself prior to the military, but now that I had this performance focus, I was really into trying to be as healthy as possible. So without having that nutrition professional to guide me or not having resources on social media to guide me, I just kind of started experimenting. So I started me and my wife with like the paleo diet and then that kind of adapted into one thing or another. I was going to school for engineering. And then one day I had this epiphany that engineering was not my calling. So I kind of had to have a come to Jesus moment, if you will, and and say, all right, what do I really want to spend my life doing? And for me, I really like communicating and working with people. I'm definitely a people person and I have this sense of service that I need to fulfill for myself. If I'm not doing that, I'm just not going to feel fulfilled at the end of the day. So I ended up on nutrition. So I went to my my counselor at my college and he said, yep, there's a track. You can be a, become a dietitian. I was like, I don't really know what that entails, but sign me up. 
And uh, kind of the rest is history. I, I completed my undergrad at, at Cal State Long Beach, which was great. Excellent program. Can't uh, speak enough about that. And then I decided to move back home for my internship so I could be closer to family. Cost of living was a little cheaper. So completed my internship at Mount Mary University in Milwaukee, which was great. Took my exam pretty much right away. So as soon as my internship was done, I like studied hard for like two and a half, three weeks. Like I locked myself in a cabin like Emerson and or <laughs> whoever, you know, that famous writer. And uh, I just studied, 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 took the exam, passed first try. It was great. And then I got a job right away in clinical nutrition at the VA, which is awesome in a lot of ways. I really like working with veterans, being a veteran myself, but the hospital setting is just not fully for me. I still, and I still have my foot in the door there and I, I pick up shifts here and there and it's great because it's really a way to, you know, not only keep a door open and opportunity open, but it allows me to still connect with those veterans and being there in a part-time capacity allows me to keep my passion alive. I feel like when I go in there just one or two times a week or a couple times a month, I go into those veterans rooms fired up. You know, I'm not taking no for an answer. I keep my enthusiasm up um, because even for me being there for like half a year, I slowly just got into this rut where I wasn't as motivated. And, you know, you get the same story over and over again and you kind of get just demotivated. So now that I have a practice, I work mostly with tactical athletes, so firefighters, police officers, military personnel, that's kind of my target demographic. But in a more general sense, I just like to work with men. And as much as I love the performance side of things, I really like taking that individual that they were once in their prime, like especially former military guys, veterans guys, like they were at this peak in their life. They were, you know performing at a top and they got out and one thing led to another. They got busy. They went to college, they had families, and now they don't know what to do. They go, I miss feeling like I used to feel. I just don't know how to get there. And of course, not having any nutrition, you know, education in the military, that's kind of where I come in because they don't know how to eat. You know, they, they're committed and they have the dedication. They just don't know how to put it all together. So that's kind of where I'm at today. I hope that was short enough. It felt long-winded. I, I need a sip of this ranch water here. I'm part. I'm going to have to cut the whole thing out. Like, nope, that's much too much. <laughs> Take two. No, that's great. So I, I definitely want to hear more about the tactical athlete. And I know you kind of had defined what that is, but there's so many different considerations when it comes to working with someone in that profession. What would you say are the biggest differences that you see in how you have to help approach nutrition with someone who like might be working a 24 hour shift or is in the field? Like, what does that look like in practice? So I'd say some of the, if I had to do some generalities between all three main fields, right? So fire, law enforcement, um, military, you know, scheduling, lack of sleep. We're talking working graveyard shifts, like you said, 24-hour shifts. In the military, we're working maybe weeks at a time continuously. And that, that can be, sorry, I'm getting a little feedback here, so I'll, I'll try to keep uh, on the point. Um, but that, that scheduling not being consistent can be really challenging for people to stay on track because not only is it hard in terms of planning your nutrition, right? Like properly meal prepping, having that standard breakfast, lunch, dinner, you got to think on your feet. You got to have snacks ready. You have to know what kind of snacks are going to benefit that event. So for example, if you're a law enforcement officer, just working at a local police department, 
you know, you might be on this long shift one day where you're going to be on a foot patrol because there's a concert or some big event. But then the next day you might be, you know, sitting in your squad car and then you're going to have to work overtime. So you need to be able to adapt to those situations because your fueling and hydration needs are going to be different when you're working on a foot patrol in the sun, in full gear, compared to working in an air-conditioned squad car where you probably, well, not probably, but you're not going to be most typically, depending on how kinetic the environment is, chasing people down the whole day, you're going to be moving less in most cases, at least that's the police department I work with mostly in the, in my local area. So there's all of these very specific niches because they still need to be able to perform like an athlete, but in most cases, they don't know when that performance is going to be needed, right? So like if you're a football player, you know when game time is. It's scheduled at this time, you know when you're going to go in. But for these tactical athletes, you know, at a firehouse, you don't know when that call is going to come in. When you're a law enforcement officer, you don't know when you're going to have to chase down a suspect. And for the military, you might be in the field all week, but you don't know when things might get kinetic, when things might heat up. So being able to educate them on how to strategically time that nutrition, that seems to be uh, the, the biggest part that I step in and help these individuals with, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Super clear, yeah. One of the things I would get asked a lot in my previous life, for those who don't haven't known me a ton, I worked for a tactical athlete fitness and nutrition company, um, was when in their own environment, I can have a meal plan, I can have structure, I can have some control. And then they go into the field and they kind of panic. And they're like, how do I approach nutrition in the field? What are, what are some like basics you give people or how do you direct people in going into those kind of environments? Absolutely. So like my, the way I structure my whole program, the whole first half of it is all education based because I'm a big believer in understanding the why, because anybody can get a meal plan from somebody else and it would be effective towards their goal, right? Like my goal is to lose weight. My goal is to gain weight. My goal is to run faster. But if you don't learn the why behind why that individual created that meal plan and you don't understand the fundamentals, it's not going to help you long term. But if you can understand how to just create a balanced meal, you can then translate that into a balanced snack. That will then help the individual go to the field prepared. Like, I know I need to keep some extra carbohydrate in my cargo pocket that I can, you know, eat on a whim when maybe we're not going to have time to sit down. Or I might need, you know, this strategic supplement if that's going to be the easiest way to get that nutrition and it's it's really packable, I can bring that with me. So I've got my MREs. MREs are complete. I actually just learned a lot more about MREs recently from Nick Berenger's podcast. But So you've got these complete meals, but those complete meals are still set. You know, It's the same for everyone. It's not like the 250-pound Marine is going to get a different MRE than the 150-pound Marine. So even though it's mostly complete, there's definitely ways to make it better. And teaching the individual when to implement certain things like higher carbohydrate intake, maybe bringing some more salty foods after an event that you're going to sweat a lot, maybe bringing some fresh fruit and veg to keep those micronutrients up, right? Like some dried fruit that's not going to go bad. It's not perishable. It's not going to get all sticky in your pocket. Kind of what to pack and um, that why behind the meal selection. Once they get that down, it's it's on them because then they'll bring their own preference into the mix. Cause I can, you know, sit here until I'm blue in the face and tell you exactly what to bring. But if you don't, if you don't like eating figs and dates, you know, what, what good is that going to do? Maybe that person likes dried mangoes or raisins, right? So 
the goal, the mission's still complete, the carbohydrate intakes there, but it's then going to fit within their preference and they know why exactly they're doing it. So that's what I'm really big on. Yeah, it's like Brooke and I always fight about how <clears throat> crispies are just better than any dried fruit, you know, but she tries to tell me, <laughs> eat a banana. And I'm like, no, you can't catch me eating a banana. <laughs> <laughs> my God. People always hate on bananas, man. If I get one fruit that people typically don't like, it's bananas. I, it, it blows my mind. It's the consistency for me. I like halfway through, I start, I, I like chew it, and then I don't know. I just it feels like vomit in my mouth, and I'm just like, oh, I can't, I can't do this. So I don't know. Oh my God, what a baby! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's because it, it feels like baby food. It's just mush, you know, but. Well, you can't taste or smell. You could yeah, no, but I yeah. guess if it's a texture thing, like <laughs> yeah. no. Maybe I can't feel it anyway. It's fine. I'm still waiting for you to do that shot. I'll do it right now. Ready? I was just thinking about it. Here Ready. it is. Here we go. Cheers to you. <laughs> what is that? Like a plastic? Cup? No, it's a, it's in a what ceramic cup. I was, yeah, oh. not much of a team. <laughs> Thought it was like a styrofoam cup. Woo! Did you cup. taste it? You're making a face. Yeah, I definitely tasted it. No, yeah, I was like, you know, COVID doesn't help with the burning. Uh, it actually doesn't burn that much. I, uh, it's Coralejos. I don't know if I talked about it, but super smooth. Mm-mm. I love the tequila. It's like 24 bucks for, it's like super affordable, uh, mm-hmm. and it's really good. So it's like a nice mix of like high tier. And then like, I'm still like an 18 year old trying to buy cheap alcohol type <laughs> type of thing. So yeah. Nice. So we talked about this actually offline um, or off the podcast. It was actually online on Instagram, uh, how our frustrations with like the performance realm. And I would imagine, especially like working with veterans and tactical athletes, you probably get a lot of bro sciencey stuff. And Ro definitely, I know here's a lot of it, but like, how do Ro you loves bro science? I know, but like, how do you, what are your opinions about some of the stuff you see on the internet? And like, how do you go about addressing it? Like, what are, I want to hear your worst case like stories you've heard or things you've seen (laughs) man i well recently and it's this is like fresh in my mind because it's been so many people all at once but the carnivore diet is just so big so many people think that's the answer (laughs) so i'm like constantly trying to rebuttal that what i've deferred to recently is just lane norton put a great piece out on it i just like have that saved in my notes for his whole article and i just send that to people in response i'm like Definitely not the best for what you're looking to do here. Just read this because he explains it so well and he cites all his sources. So saves me a ton of work and <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just all right there. So I kind of just like hand that one off because it's just like they just keep coming in. I just feel like I'm constantly ducking that same that same question. But yeah, I mean, that's just one of many. I mean, I feel like every week there's some new performance hack out there. And then it's like, okay, like, let me try to dive into the literature and see what's, you know, currently existing. And sure, it was like one study with six people. And it's like, yeah, there was like this minute change or, you know, and then like any research article at the end, at the end it says, but more research is needed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, Every a lot time. more. That's just, that's just my way of saying like, I don't have the answers. Uh, so somebody else has to find them. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. I think- and, you know, like, oh, go ahead, please. Uh, I was just saying like that I, I agree with the carnivore diet like exploding uh, and I think we've talked about it on the podcast before that it like came about as the ant- antithesis of like vegetarianism you know like someone was like I eat only veg- vegetables and someone was like well fuck you I eat only meat and it's like okay <laughs> like I don't know why you have to go that far <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think especially like 
you know, Liver King is really blown up. I don't really want to get into that for multiple reasons. Oh but um, he he said something like, uh, you know, like, doesn't it stand a reason that, like, we should be eating, like, like strong animals and pretty much saying, like, we should be eating more beef, which I agree with. I think red meat is great. I think people are kind of scared to eat it for the wrong reasons. But, like, we're not eating the strong animals. Like, we're eating cows. They're, they're strong, you know, but, like... This isn't like any apex predator, first of all. And then second of all, like in the wild, you're not going to – they're not going to fight an apex predator. They're going to find the weakest thing that's the easiest meal and take it out. So like it like logically doesn't make sense. But if you don't think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna eat the strongest thing and that's going to make me stronger. Like it's just marketing. And I'm like, how are you guys still this dense? It's 2022. <laughs> you have – the internet in the God. palm of your hands and you're like yeah that makes sense and me as a man my ego feeds off of eating strong shit so like why would i not want to do that it just infuriates me to no end there's this big like i feel like internal want to believe that stuff because it just sounds so appealing so you're like yeah. oh man you want it to be so true you want it to be true so badly that like you just you just completely put blinders on. You're like, I, you know what? I don't even care what the science says. Like, it sounds good to me. I'm just going to go with it. But then you ask somebody in that world, like a nutrition professional, and they give you this research, and then instantly you're defensive. You're like, well, are, like, I, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if you got all the facts straight. Like, these other people are saying this. It's like, well, you ask the question. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> giving you the best reasonable answer, you know? And I think, obviously, we're all so well-versed in, really taking that step back, looking at all the research cumulatively. And then even if something has like just a little bit of research, it's a new topic, a lot of preliminary stuff. It's so important to look at the possible risks, right? So if there's some preliminary research saying that this nutrition hack might have some benefit, well, if there's next to no risk, right? Well, why not just give it a shot? Maybe it will help you, okay? But if it's something like the carnivore diet where we're talking about saturated fat intakes that are through the roof, right, off the chart saturated fat intake that has this overwhelming body of evidence to suggest that, well, over prolonged periods of time, eating that amount of saturated fat will likely increase your risk for heart disease. I would say the risk to the client is super high, which is why I'm so surprised this doctor is promoting this, knowing that people are going to follow his advice and possibly get heart disease 20, 30 years from now. I mean, to me, it's just, it's asinine and I don't think it's ethical, but that, like that, again, that, like that's a conversation for a whole nother day. <laughs> well, doctors don't know nutrition and exercise. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah. The other thing that I think is wild is like the lack of fiber. I'm like, yeah. this cannot feel good. You this can, cannot you have to have be a diarrhea. good gut health you know situation. I mean? like, yeah. <laughs> Mm-mm. What are those bacteria even eating in there? <laughs> the strong animals, so Eric. All right, just starving out. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. and and if you eat like if you let's say you have like diabetes, all you have to do is eat the oh fuck what the what releases insulin? I'm blanking, man. Uh, carbs the pancreas? pancreas you say carbs no yeah the pancreas oh. yeah people you know like some of the thought now also is like well if i eat like 
the pancreas of an animal, it'll help my pancreas. <laughs> if I eat the liver of an animal, my liver will be better. Like, I mean, I guess, but no. Like, it just helps everything. <laughs> you know, you can't just be like, oh, yeah, well, I'm only going to eat muscle to only get muscle. It's, there's a lot of things going on, man, with, with that stuff. Well, I've, Men, s- women, I've seen the trend of um, people eating testicles, and that makes me laugh, making that correlation that you just did. <sighs> But I will say you know there's a lot of I've good just to try and get that extra just to try <laughs> oh and get that extra God. half inch, you know. Oh my god. <laughs> I will say uh, though, organ meat sorry, I will get behind as a diet. Yeah, yeah I apologize mean, to your parents for <laughs> the love of all that is holy that are probably listening to this. Um I like organ meat though. I do think that there's a good case to be made for trying to incorporate organ meat yeah. into the diet. Like it's great micronutrients, but I don't know if we can say like go that far. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're super nutrient dense, right? Like there's so much benefit. Yeah. But yeah, to say like I have it so that my balls get bigger or healthier, like it just what are we what are we doing? That's also one of those like we've gone way too far. Eat it if you like it. <laughs> if you don't eat something else. Eat a banana, maybe, you know, uh, <laughs> just, I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot to be said about eating an animal nose to tail, right? And like the liver has so many, it's like nature's vitamin, right? Like that's where a lot of stuff passes through, obviously, mm-hmm. and gets deposited. So it's going to be rich in all those nutrients, which makes sense. But if, if we bring up this ancestral <laughs> argument, I would argue that in most cases of primitive peoples, they weren't eating only meat that's only a few cultures that we can still observe today right like maybe the inuits and that's about it so many other primitive peoples relied mostly on forage food and yes when they were able to go out and exercise for an entire day to track down an animal and then exercise to bring that animal back to their tribe and then they divvied it up between everyone yes they might eat and they might overindulge in meat for that one meal but do you think they're doing that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Like they have to be out hunting for the whole day. What do you think they're sustaining themselves on on the hunt? It's not meat, right? In mo- in almost all cases. So I think people get like trapped in this false belief that, oh yeah, hunter-gatherers were just hunters that only ate meat, right? Like it, that doesn't pan out if you look at the anthropology of most human peoples. Yeah, and like we no. we lived by water for so long because it was just easier. So you don't think we ate mostly fish? Like it, you know. And and then yeah. sometimes we just mm-hmm. had, you know, we had humans moving and whatever. Like that's that's that was my main issue with the paleo diet to begin with. Like when it came out, I was like, but according to like what, according to what culture? Like what what humans wear? Because Absolutely. like like you said, you know, eating nose to tail, but if. If you live by an ocean, you are almost – and you stay there, right, as humans. Like, we're just going to stay in that little pocket. You're not going to have cows or buffalo because you got you got fish. So, yeah. yeah. I think And even as somebody that hunts – I agree completely. <laughs> and as somebody that hunts, right, like, I eat the, the liver of most things I kill, right, depending where it was. Sometimes – I feel like if there was a risk that that animal might eat something that could have contaminants in the liver, I don't eat it. That's that's probably me just being over overly cautious. But I've got the whole animal to eat and just one liver, right? I'm not eating liver every single day. I might divvy that liver up over a few meals, but I've got mostly other stuff to eat. It's not like liver, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I eat it 
sparingly. And when I do eat it, yes, it's very nutrient rich. But I feel like if you eat liver, and I could be wrong, but if you eat liver three times a day, there's probably a risk for toxicity in some minerals and fat soluble vitamins. So, yeah. When you hunt, so the other day I noticed you made a post on your story about squirrel, and I've never had squirrel. And so I was like really curious, like, what does it taste like? And like, (laughs) what are you eating from it? Yeah, so like, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) So you can eat (laughs) pretty much everything on the squirrel is edible. You can even pull out the little organ meat. I do not. I I got the squirrel out. I skin it. But, um, you know, I hate using the comparison to chicken because it's like, oh, it tastes like chicken. But honestly, to me personally, I think squirrel is very closely related to chicken. It's just got a more gamey taste. And it's not bad. It's just you need if you're not familiarized with how like, foods from nature taste, right? Like not farm raised animals, it would probably taste different to you. And I think people are turned off by that difference, right? People like being in their comfort zone with food, unless they're, you know, a little bit more of a risk taker with food, but there's so many ways to prepare, you know, game meat these days, especially, right? So like Steven Rinella is a huge influence in the hunting community. And I think what he's doing with his company, Meat Eater, you can watch a show on Netflix. He's got a great cookbook out there. He's got a lot of contributing authors that contribute recipes. And I'm telling you, I've been eating game my whole life. The recipes I've made from that website have just completely changed my perspective on, on game meat. I've always enjoyed it, but I enjoy it so much more now. And it brings in this culinary twist because these contributing authors, I mean, a lot of them are chefs. So they're preparing this and teaching you how to prepare it in, first of all, ways that anybody can do in their home. It's not like over the top. You don't need to be Gordon Ramsay, but you're bringing in these flavor and cultural profiles to the game meat that I've never seen before. So like making like Vietnamese venison, right? So you're bringing in this Asian cuisine. There's a lot of Hispanic and South American dishes that you can make with game meat. And now that I have all this variety, it's just been super motivational to me to to spread the word because not only do I think game meat is nutritionally superior in a lot of ways, right? Because it's so lean, raised on such an organic diet, but the experience of going out hunting for your game, and then going through the whole process of butchering that animal, cooking it for yourself in different ways, and then sharing that with the people you care most about, your family and friends, there's just nothing like it. When you, when you finally bring it full circle and you watch somebody eat the food that you've harvested, it is, it's special. And it can only be described through the experience. I, I can only put it into so many words. It's something that you would have to try for yourself. But it is so magical i think magical is a great way to put it you just words can't words can't really describe it it's just awesome i have a question about squirrel all right back to squirrel (laughs) um i don't know about you but our squirrels like to hang out in the trash can here (laughs) and eat what's in the trash can so would that make a difference yeah it probably would so i've (laughs) i've never eaten squirrel that was like city squirrel or one that would be like (laughs) through dumpsters but i will say like if you look at i'm like oh i caught my squirrel (laughs) (laughs) it might taste like trash so like literally i know um like bear meat is you know, the bear I've had has always pretty much been good, but people say, and Stephen Rennell is one of them, that if the bear eats mostly berries as their diet, the meat tastes very good. And if the bear eats mostly mm. fish 
as its diet, it does not taste nearly as good. So absolutely, I feel like the diet of the animal will reflect in the actual flavor profile. Another thing to consider is the age of the animal, yeah. the gender of the animal. Like typically bigger male animals have tougher meat. They've been around the block. They're more muscular. And a younger female, even a younger male animal typically has more tender meat. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not really a flavor thing. but Yeah. It, <laughs> these city squirrels are wild like literally so basically what we have here go, go. is we have like alleyways oh, where that are like behind the houses and that's where you keep your trash can and that's like typically where your garage is and so you'll just like go out the back door and literally all of a sudden you'll just hear these squirrels like pouncing all up in the trash can trying to get out because they hear you coming and they're like, bing, 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 bing. And then they like crawl out this little hole at the top and they like have garbage in their mouth. And I'm like, you got to catch one of those. Um, Well, Coco, if I were you, I would just make sure you've got one trash can full of very nutritious, good tasting food, put some fruit in there, some jellies, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then, and then harvest yourself a neighborhood squirrel. Harvest a neighborhood squirrel. I, I feel like this could be a great, great business model yeah. because then you could be like the the squirrel lady like come get these You're squirrels i got fresh coca the suburban huntress boom there you go, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Like, she doesn't go out in the wild but she feeds her squirrels well okay oh my god we're yeah. making shirts next week yeah uh, you're like check out this raccoon man it, i fed it until it was fat and now bro it's fat. on the spot what would this business be called i just told you didn't i didn't i say it what I, what I said the fuck what other uh, suburban huntress. Oh yeah. Perfect. If that shows you how much I know about hunting. <laughs> the uh you mentioned like younger like younger animals having um softer meat, right? When I was in Spain with Casey, we had veal and <laughs> she didn't know what veal was, and it was like raw veal, super tender. Uh and we had just gone from like the previous day we went to a bullfight. So she was already pretty traumatized and whatever. And I was like, this, this feels really good. And she's like, yeah, you know, blah, blah. And I was like, do you want me to, do you want me to tell you what, what veal is? And she was like, uh, I mean, maybe after. So like the day after I'm like, do you know what veal is now? And she's like, no, I was like, oh, we just ate like a, like a baby cow. Like this thing was like super young, didn't move. That's why like, it's, that's what was so tender. And she was like, I fucking hate this. I was like, what? Like, that's how you get the best meat. You know, like they haven't moved. So oh my God. tender muscles. So I have a question for you, Eric. Did you grow up hunting or like how did you get into this? Yeah. So my luckily I came from a family that uh, pretty much all the adult males hunted. So it was like a big cultural thing here in Wisconsin. Um, and I was also fortunate to work in an archery store through high school. So my hunting kind of naturally led me into that store. It was my first job. I worked there all four years of high school. And then like my first year of college before the military. And it's just always been a passion. We've got some property through the family that we go up on, but you know, I'm so much now that I have this interest in food and nutrition, and I have this passion for culinary it's been so much more exciting for me doing the hunting before it was always, you know, it's, it's fun to hunt, right? Like the thrill of the chase, as they say. But for me now, it's, it's less about the chase and more about the full experience of being out in nature, right? I'm, I'm out there enjoying myself, doing what humans are meant to be doing. I then, if I'm fortunate enough 
get to harvest an animal, which I think is the most nutritious food on the planet. And then I get to come back and just experiment with it and cook it in all these fun ways. And then I get to, to share it with people. So, but yeah, to answer your question, I, I grew up hunting and uh, in my adult life now, I'm into it twice as much as I was when I was younger. I just absolutely live for it. That's so cool. Do you, like, I love the cooking and everything you do. It's always like very beautiful and looks delicious. Thank you very much. Is all of the meat you eat, It like you hunted it, you've gathered, you know, you foraged, or how do you approach balancing that in your own personal nutrition? Man, that's such a great question, Brooke. And it's something that I go back and forth with. Like, I would love to sustain myself 100% from only the food that I procure for myself through hunting and fishing. However, being somebody that's into performance myself, right? Like always trying to push my own limits. It's been hard to limit my protein because I only have so much game meat and to like reach my personal protein goal for the day. It's been hard because obviously I'm sharing this food with my family as well. So it's not just me. So I try to, I mean, I eat game meat every week, but I still supplement my, my diet with, with store-bought. I try to get locally farm-raised meat if I can. So like know the farmer that raised the cow or the chickens or the ducks, whatever we're getting that week. But I still do supplement. Now, like I said, I'm torn. You know, I kind of go back and forth. I'm, sometimes I'm like, you know what? Like maybe I should just tough it out and, and lower my, my protein just a little bit so I can make this happen, hunt just a little bit more to get just that little bit of extra to push me over. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's different every day. So we'll, we'll see where I am, yeah. you know, a year from now, but that is an ultimate goal. I would love to sustain myself. It's, it's been a, a, if I could spend more time on the lake and in the woods hunting, I would be able to do it, but I'm also limited with the business, obviously being in graduate school. There's just a lot of other priorities I have. So I can't make hunting and fishing a, a top priority, unfortunately, as of right now. Sounds like you should quit graduate school. Easy. Whoa. Yeah. I got one class left. Thank goodness. Oh my gosh. Says the man know, who's been right? in school for like We're almost done. Years. We're almost done. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> That's awesome. The, uh, the foraging stuff. I don't know. Yeah. So foraging is something that I am very inexperienced in. It's something that I'm just slowly starting to get into. I, you know, I worked on this organic farm as part of my dietetic internship. I got totally hooked up. I, I got it for my community rotation. Awesome. And there was this girl that worked on the farm with me and her name was Flora and she was awesome. She'd show <laughs> up, she'd show up bright and early, crack a dawn, just like me. I'd have my coffee. I already ate my breakfast in my Tupperware that I microwaved. And she's like, all right, I'll be right back. I'm going to go try to find some lunch. And she'd come back, no shit, 20 minutes later with like a handful of like foraged greens and dandelions and all these other foods. And, <laughs> and she's like, oh, I, I found a salad for lunch. And I'm like, holy shit, is that cool? Cause like, like I think everyone who hunts, at least like the way I grew up, it's like, we think we're so badass. It's like, oh yeah, if the zombie apocalypse happened, I'd be able to go out there and hunt and live off the land. But it's like, you can't live off just meat unless you're uh, whatever the carnivore diet, you know. <laughs> but without fiber and all those other nutrients, you're really going to be struggling. The people that know how to forage, they definitely have an advantage because there's a lot more opportunity with edible plants that are locally grown in your area than there are. You know, if I'm out in nature and let's say it zombie apocalypse happens, I don't have any of my hunting equipment, right? I don't have my bow and arrow. I don't have my firearms. 
well, man, I better be good at setting traps or, or, or crafting a bow and arrow real quick. And then my odds of success are still pretty darn low. But if I have just a local knowledge of the plant foods, I'll probably be able to sustain myself for an extended period of time. So I'm really, I'm really into foraging. And I mean, it's just nature is so plentiful. There's so much around you that you can eat. It's, it's mind blowing, but people are very, again, hesitant to try these foods, even some of the really safe ones. So like morel mushrooms, they come up in like May, early June at the latest, depending on the temperature, extremely safe. There's nothing that's going to look like it. That's possibly dangerous. You clean them off. They're absolutely wonderful tasting. You can buy them in the store. But when you tell somebody you picked them yourself, people are like, ooh, I don't Man, know you're about die. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, you could get these for, you know, like 20 bucks a pound over uh, freeze dried at the store. We're going to see Brooke on our stories tomorrow, just walking through the forest trying to find food. Just like, I found some lunch. <laughs> well, Costa Rica would be great. There's so much yeah. fruit. Yes. I want well, to take like, a really foraging class now. now. <laughs> Like, let's take a class, a health unfiltered field yeah. trip. Or even I know, like, how are you learning? Or like, are you teaching yourself? Or do you have people teaching you? Kind of a combination of both. So obviously a lot of online resources for my local area and my state. I've got people that forage in my life that have helped me out. And then my next thing will be getting a book and actually spending a lot more time out there. But again, right now, time is limited. So I don't have time to just be like, reading a full book on foraging and going out. So I'm kind of just slowly learning, but my plan is once graduate school's over, things are a little bit more consistent schedule wise. I definitely plan to spend more time out on our property and, and just surrounding areas and, and looking for some food. That's awesome. That is so sick. That's really cool. Everyone can do it. You just got to get a book. There's so many books. You could just look up where you're at your state and be like foraging in this state and you'd find a book and you can just go out and there's like, you know, this is for beginners. Like these foods are easy to find. They're plentiful. They're, you can't mistake them. Start there. And then try, you start there, you start with maybe one food you forage. And then you learn how to cook with that one food. And you try it in other recipes and you learn to cook it so it tastes good. And you look online for different ways to cook it. You finally decide on what tastes good for you. And you go from there. And once you feel like, hey, I've got a pretty good handle on this, you go for the next food and, and so on and so forth. And then before long, you have this repertoire of, you know, different recipes and different foraged foods or hunted foods. And, and you got this huge combination you can make. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like so interesting. And my first thought is right now I'm living in Albuquerque. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to forage? A cactus once? <laughs> and then it's you can done. Eat cactus. You know? Oh, I know. <laughs> like some Nopala and everything. But I was just like, oh, there's no grass here. There's no wildflowers here. And as you, you know, travel more north and stuff, it becomes, or more south. I forget where I'm at. Uh, yeah. yeah, get up in the elevation. It, it definitely, it definitely like gets much greener than Albuquerque. But um, yeah, that's so sick. I, I know that um, Brooke kind of talked about like, you know, the 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 cooking and stuff already. But how how was this like? I, I don't I don't know how to how was this open your mind to like <laughs> other creative things because you can like get a new meat, game meat. Uh, and with your experience and with from the books, like how do you how do you decide like what you're gonna cook, how you're going to kind of switch it up, and like I just like I'm wondering how you kind of creatively allow yourself to or allow yourself to like creatively express I don't know who you are, or the, the culture of hunting through cooking. Yeah, so I get a lot of ideas from that meat eater show. 
But for me, I'm actually, I'm glad you asked that question because for me, like for a long time, I, I didn't, you know, growing up in high school and stuff, I had all these creative outlets for myself, you know, I really liked drawing things of that nature. And then like going into college and the military, like I just kind of lost touch with that side of myself. So now cooking is my way of kind of expressing my creativity and I bring it full circle. What I really like about game meat and hunting and cooking it is I kind of like feel, I, I just hate saying it like this because I sound too much like fucking liver king, but I do like feeling primitive in a way, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, so like, I really like experimenting with cooking over fire. So I've just invested in like a new cast iron Dutch mm. oven. I've got like several other cast iron pans. I just cooked some fresh elk steaks over the fire the other day and made tacos. So I made like homemade tortillas and I cooked those over the fire and I cooked the elk steak and I made homemade pico de gallo and they turned out fantastic. And I had my wife, because I needed to shoot some content for my business, take photos of me. And as I was like scrolling through the photos to try to pick like the best ones to try to tell the story, I just noticed how many different positions I was in as I was cooking. So like I was squatting while I was putting the meat on the grill. I was like doing a chest press while I was trying to like blow air to keep <laughs> the fire warm. And I was out in the sun. So like the whole process was super engaging. It was very physically active. The food tasted great, right? It was cooked over an open flame. I got, I put some hickory wood down, so it got this heavy smoke flavor. And the tortillas were fantastic. I don't think you can really mess up a tortilla, but I mean, the whole thing all together just... <laughs> you can. I mean, the meal was so rewarding because it's like, man, I put a lot of work into this. Like, I had to split wood. I had to start the fire. I had to let it burn down to embers, and I had to have enough embers to make sure the heat lasted throughout the whole cooking process. Had to set up the whole cooking setup. Then I had to physically cook the meat. I'm outside. It's hot. Sun's beating down. So by the time the meal came together, I was kind of tired. So man, was it good. You know, it's not like I just like came from my job where I was sitting down, drove in my car, ordered it from a takeout, yeah. got it, ate it. Even though it's delicious, it's like, man, it was so much more delicious because I put so much effort into making it. Yeah. So I really like that. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I totally get it. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like. I also get the primal thing, right? Because like even even grilling, I'm like, oh fuck you, I'm such a man. Uh, yeah. Because like you know, I you know, which is so funny because like my mom was the one that always grilled because my dad can't cook for shit. But my mom was like, oh yeah, I'll grill stuff. Uh, but like when we got our grill and moved into this place, I was like, my life was just better, my quality of life because I can just like grill things and it's way easier and I love the taste more and I can't wait until I get like a smoker and then like then I can kind of look at practicing stuff with charcoal and like you said like embers from the from the uh from the wood itself and i don't know i like saw this instagram uh profile called like i think it's like cooking over fire or something like that and every time i see it i'm like yes that's what i want my life to be that's <laughs> like exactly yeah. what you're we talking about so i think it's really awesome that it's not just like you know like hunting is is cool for sure but being able to strip the animal down and then like take the time of like cooking with it and and setting it up and doing all that work. And it is super rewarding, especially when you like feed it to someone that you love and care about. And you're like, was this good? I put so much time and effort into it. And when they're like, yeah, this is so good. And you're like, this is so good. And you're like, life is good, man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like it would be so good. I'm biased maybe, but I think everyone would benefit so strongly from at least hunting once in their life and working on a farm once in their life oh, for sure. and maybe foraging once in their life, right? Because we're so 
disillusioned by walking into a grocery store, having access to basically any food from around the world yeah. at all times throughout, you know, any season, no matter where you're at. And then just like checking out and, and going home. It's like, <laughs> there's this disconnection with how much work, go, like when you kill an animal, like there's the actual act of killing, which is not always easy, especially for different people, right? Like it's not super fun taking the life. It's a very like deep emotional moment. But then the work of like gutting it out, dragging it out, and then hanging it up, cutting it all up into different pieces, vacuum packing it, putting it in the freezer, it's it's laborious. It takes a lot of time. So it's so much harder than just going to the store and grabbing like a prepackaged steak, right? So it gives you so much respect and it's like, it almost upsets me. I don't, I, I try not to let myself get upset about it, but like it almost upsets me when I see somebody at the grocery store with like a cart full of food and they're just sitting there and they're like, oh, this checkout line's taking forever. I'm like, I just want to be like, you didn't have to grow any of that food. You didn't have to kill or butcher any of the meat that's in your car. Like, what is an extra minute going to yeah. hurt? But, um, but yeah, so like it, it really gets you connected to the food you're eating, which is great because then even if you're not eating food that you grew yourself, hunted for, or foraged, you just have more respect for the food that's actually on your plate at a restaurant or in a grocery store. You know, it makes you take that step back and just appreciate the abundance that we get to enjoy here. Yeah. You're like, yeah, inflation sucks. But at the same time, you didn't have to spend the whole day getting it, cutting it up, like you said, doing it. Yeah. It's wild. Perspective. It's a good thing to have. Perspective. Anyway, I'm hungry now. So. <laughs> get, the, get the fire going in the backyard. Let's go. I know it's raining right now, so it's a bit of a drag. But Ooh, I'll stand right. out there. Got to build yourself a canopy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, some sticks. Eric, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Where do you hang out on the internet? Where can people find you? Absolutely. Great question. I would say right now, the most convenient way to get in touch with me is through my Instagram account. It's where I'm most vocal, where I post most of my stuff. Through that, you can access my website. Otherwise, if you just wanted to access my website directly, it's just gruntgrubrd.com, the RD being for registered dietitian. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, obviously hoping to grow and get myself out there more, but for right now, that's definitely where you can catch me. And I'm, I'm, I'm really good. I like to pride myself at least at the time being of getting back to people's direct messages. If they do have certain questions like you, Brooke, I don't answer specific nutrition questions through my DMs on Instagram, just out of respect for those paying clients. So I think that's a, a great philosophy to have. And I think that's a fair practice, but if you just have general questions about, you know, food connection and you know you're just maybe curious about hunting or you just want to say hey definitely reach reach out to me on ig nice we'll definitely link all that up in the show notes i love following your instagram because yeah, i just, I just love it. seeing your adventures and all the cooking so you do like so good thank you very much it's my dream so my ultimate goal in life and dream <laughs> is going to be to travel to more countries, possibly hunt in those countries, but travel to more places, learn more authentic recipes, and at the very least, bring those recipes back here and then try to put my own twist that I learned on some locally grown foraged or hunted food. Yes, you know what? I loved the Costa Rican <clears throat> Do ones. Do that and invite Thanks. me out. I'll taste test. No big deal. <laughs> you guys are more than welcome to come out here whenever. I'll I don't want to do a, any a of the work, feet. though. I want to be like, Eric, <laughs> make me this. <laughs> and then I'll, you know, I don't know, put on my story or something. But That's totally, I will get as much enjoyment out of just serving your food. <laughs> no, I would be like, oh, teach me how to do this stuff. 
That's sick. Well, thank you so much for taking time to come on. I will do our little outro and I'm going to wing it because my computer decided to like shit the bed like halfway through. (laughs) So we're (laughs) we're winging it. Like literally it was like going to blow up. I was like, well, you know, we're making it. We are all accepting clients. Are you accepting clients, Eric? Are you a wait list? What do you I am mean? accepting clients. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Accepting clients right now. So I am specifically targeted or uh, taking men. So typically I defer females to other dietitians based on their goals. So Brooke obviously sent one your way, but I don't get a lot of requests from females, but just so if anybody's listening, typically only men, unless it's a, a super specific situation. I love that because I actually have no one to refer to for that specific situation because I think there's a lot of female dietitians who love serving females. So that's great. Uh, Nicole is our intuitive eating health at every size dietitian who loves doing lab testing and digging into root cause approach and some really patient-centered care that I'm a huge fan of. Rowboat is our exercise guru, as I called him last time. So I'm going to use it again. I'm going to use it again. He's an exercise guy, right? I don't even know what I said, but... Exercise but Roe is way, way too knowledgeable and has way too much education and fancy pieces of papers, but he does amazing <laughs> programming mm-hmm. backed by okay. uh, backed by these pieces of papers. Um, I am not currently accepting <laughs> clients, but my amazing team is accepting clients, and I specialize in working with women through digestive issues and hormonal imbalances who want to support performance and all good things in the body. So that was me winging it. I don't know. I'd give it a, I'd give it a 8 out of 10. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> uh, we just, you know, the Solid. follow us on Health Unfiltered Pod on Instagram. Uh, you know, keep the awesome questions and coming and, and rating us. But other than that, you got everything else. Bam. Yes, nailed it. <laughs> on that note, Robo, would you like to take us out? I'll do it. You know, I love to do it. Cue <laughs> that music. Boom, boom. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Pleasure. of course. Thank you Thank for coming. Thank you, Eric. On. <laughs> Peace out, everyone.